Hey, lunatics, you're listening to Let the Meat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. Before I began farming, I was a public school teacher who had grown up in the suburbs of St. Louis. And if you were like me, you had no idea what was real or who to trust when it came to our food. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance you've begun to doubt what huge food corporations are trying to sell you is as healthy as it's cracked up to be. And for good reason. I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out, to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. See you soon. We've all been there. Wake up in the morning, stumble over to the refrigerator, see what's inside. If the pickings are real slim, you might open it and shut it a couple times because, you know, maybe you're a magician and your fridge just doesn't know it yet. But still, a reheated sriracha onion burger just doesn't make the cut for breakfast. Cheesecake just introduces the runs. Trust me, I've been there before. There's a quarter of a gallon of milk left, and if you have anything like my level of hygiene in college, you're not quite sure if that's still milk or just backwash. So anyways, you compromise. Grab the milk, find what's left of your favorite cereal, and sit down to happily crunch away. Or you just skip breakfast and drive to work on an empty stomach. Anything wrong with this picture? What your body is really craving is real food. And fortunately, breakfast tends to be the easiest meal to cook at home. And if you think I'm about to recommend you look into buying some eggs, you're right. But not just any eggs. I'm talking about pasture-raised eggs. The first thing you can do to help yourself, the earth, and millions of sad chickens is buy a dozen pasture-raised eggs. Sad chickens can't make a pasture-raised egg. Only happy chickens get to do that. A reasonable dozen will probably set you back around $5 depending on where you live. Now, before you start thinking how out of touch I sound or how tight your budget is right now, just stop. I've prepared a list of some things you may have spent money on this week that could fill the void. Starbucks, craft beer, same-day delivery, another tattoo, Nutella, yoga pants, music festival tickets, iPhone upgrade, bag of chips, soda, and bottled water. That one hurt. And the list goes on. Somehow, paying more than $2.50 for quality eggs is highway robbery. But paying in excess of $10 for a bad cup of coffee that tastes like hot milk and sugar is a total bargain. Holy extortion, Batman. Bring on the real food instead. Eggs are meant to nurture a developing chicken fetus and are jam-packed with amazing nutrients provided they are produced correctly. Whenever I'm trying to convince my friends to invest in our eggs, I'll say, I care about you and I'm really just trying to sell you eggs without chlorine inside. I have no problem selling my eggs to my friends because I literally am investing in their health and in the health of their children. I did door-to-door soliciting one summer for a paint company, and the thought of that makes me shudder now. I only lasted two weeks before I felt too crummy to keep knocking on doors. 
This is completely different. Eggs from conventional laying operations are so dirty, they get dumped in a chlorine bath three or four times before it lands in your fridge. And once you wash off that natural membrane that surrounds the egg, the egg becomes permeable and can absorb liquids. So douse it with chlorine and you end up with a chlorinated egg. Whenever you have that steaming plate of conventional eggs in front of you, just think of taking a cup of water from your local neighborhood swimming pool and drizzling a little bit on top. I could talk all day about the omega-3s, beta-carotene, vitamin A and E, and etc. that are inside of ours, but the best part is that you are eating real food. I'm sure you can find some of these nutrients artificially put into your favorite box of cereal we talked about earlier, but I think we can all agree that A does not equal B here, right? By the way, this way of thinking is called nutritionism, and I'll discuss more about it in a later episode. Our chickens scavenge these nutrients naturally. They dig for juicy fly larvae and cow pies like they're going for buried treasure. They put NFL wide receivers to shame, snatching a flying grasshopper right out of the air. They munch juicy blades of grass like candy, and they always can snack on our non-GMO grain mix. Now, we need a little background on the egg industry. That sounds funny, doesn't it? Usually we talk about industries like the auto or bank industry and the Egg industry sounds like we've invented all these machines and techniques for what is really a chicken's unfertilized cycle. Anyway, pastured eggs only come from chickens who live their entire lives on pasture. Makes sense, right? It does, until you try to parse through the confusing labels of conventional egg producers. You'll try to get sold on the idea an egg is an egg is an egg. Here's how they'll deceive you. There are five types of eggs you can buy all natural or farm fresh, they're basically equivalent, organic, cage-free, free-range, and pasture-raised eggs. The list goes from worst to best, so here we go. We'll start with the worst offenders, all natural. It sounds really good. You're probably thinking of green pastures, red barns, a rooster crowing in the background, and a kindly old farmer in jean overalls picking up a couple dozen eggs every morning. Wrong. So wrong. Legally, they don't mean anything. I asked my friend and fellow regenerative farmer David Boatwright to take me through the average day of an average chicken at an all-natural egg operation. Before he starts, just listen to the way he describes himself. Hello, my name is David Boatwright. I'm a regenerative agriculturalist. Our mission is to restore the health and vitality of the land and to nurse the families who eat of its bounty, your family and our family. He means business. You can tell he takes his job as an earth steward slash landscape redemption expert very seriously. For the record, he produces pasture-raised eggs, which you'll hear about in a little bit. But until then, you can enjoy his colorful list of grievances against all natural eggs. So today I'm going to take you through the life of a all-natural chicken. I wake up, except maybe I wasn't ever asleep because the lights are on all the time. Well, that's cool. I bump into my neighbor. It's about half an inch away from me. I inhale sweet smell of fecal dust and dirt. Yep, I look around. I don't know what the sun is. I do know what fluorescent light bulbs are. Kind of dusty and hazy though, I can only see about four feet away from me, just far enough to see the feeder, the water tank, which is kind of filled with ick. 
kind of a downside of that whole floating fecal matter thing in the air. It tends to permeate everything, including my lungs, which are a little raspy. <clears throat> I'm a little achy. I'm fighting some bacterial infections, and my liver's failing. But I'm making it. So I only have one purpose in life, and that's to go and lay an egg in this box. So that's what I do. I can see that. I only have to travel about two feet, and I only have to do it once a day. So it's not too bad of a life, really. It's kind of hard to peck at the grain. I'm missing my beak. But uh, I make the best of it. After all, that is all I have to do in my day. I drink a little nasty water, peck into my friend. A real highlight is when one of my pen mates dies. At that point, I get to kind of scratch and peck at their remains because they don't go anywhere. And seeing as we're packed in like sardines, you know, another half inch of breathing room. So everybody sure is happy when Cindy kicks the bucket. And that pretty much wraps it up. It's kind of a, a long and slow monotony as I bob around and just kind of doze off at times. But hard to figure out any sort of a rhythm with the lights on all the time. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up my day. It's great. I will set off to do it again tomorrow. Probably will do that every day for a year, at which point I will be removed from this wondrous place. And I won't have any feathers. I will have lost those. Nervous pecking from my friends, of course. So I'll be a little naked, but I will see the sun for the first time in my life for oh, 12 hours or so. It's a little bit of a windy truck ride to the processing plant. I'll probably be ground hole into dog food. So that is a day in the life of an all-natural chicken. This is Henrietta signing out. Right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Literally, I had a script ready to go, and David was so compelling, I scrapped everything I had written and let him do the talking. But organic eggs have to be better, right? Nope. Everything above applies from all-natural eggs, but the conveyor belt feed has been certified organic by the USDA, which means that, to quote the USDA, no genetically modified grains have been used and no prohibited substances like pesticides or herbicides have been used on the crop fields for at least three years prior to the harvest. Still a big bored bird in a small, dirty cage destined for a sick, thankless life. Cage-free sounds fun though, right? Like, if I'm a chicken... I get to stretch my wings and nest in green pastures, but it doesn't mean what it seems like. Cage-free just means that chickens must have the ability to move around during the nesting period, which means that they trade the smaller cage for a slightly larger one. That's it. They still live in the same type of barn, are covered by the same dusty poop, and will never get to feel sunshine on their backs. Free range sounds ideal, but everything applies from cage-free except the provision that chickens have a small chance of experiencing sunshine. Producers must provide a designated lounging area outside the barn that allows chickens to access it. So imagine a door barely big enough for one chicken at a time, one foot tall and wide, to walk through. With 20 to 100,000 chickens inside, the chances are slim to none they'll ever find it. In the Bible, something really hard to do has the metaphor of putting a camel through the eye of a needle. A modern equivalent might as well be putting a free-range chicken through their access door. Now, for the last category, and finally, some happy news. Pasture-raised eggs means that hens live as God intended them. They feel the wind through their feathers and sunshine on their backs. They keep their beaks, sleep at night, and eat anything they find. Ours live in a converted horse trailer, which we move to fresh grass every other day. 
using our management style consistently improves egg nutrition to the tune of 21 times more omega-3, 7 times more vitamin E, 1.5 times more vitamin A, 7.5 times more beta-carotene, 217 times more folate, 30% less cholesterol, and 25% less saturated fat. Just listen to how the lives of Cindy and Henrietta improve under a pasture-raised system. Dear Diary, Henrietta here again. I just wanted to check in with you. It's been such a wonderful time out here on this pasture-raised system. I wake up in the morning, the sun's rays gently flowing through. Ah, the hues. I love it. Everyone waking up, taking a nice big stretch. It's fantastic. I run outside of the chicken house and grab a few morsels to eat some tender young grass sprouts. The crickets, oh, they're best in the morning. So numerous. Run around, just enjoy getting out. A couple acres to romp on, really, it's great. When I come back inside, it, it really is magnificent. Again. Some fresh non-GMO grains, some clear water, and the breeze. Nothing smells. You see, our, our shelter gets moved every single day. Brand new grass. It's a little rambunctious at the time. Things kind of clacking around, the tractor rumbling, but we get used to it. A nice walk. It means we always have a clean place to lay down at night. It's wonderful, really. Roost bars. We can all get up and stretch, do our thing when we want to. I do miss Cindy a little bit, though. Tragic accident two days ago with the hawk. I saw it coming. I always told her, when you see a shadow, don't stop and squat. But, alas, she did. The guard dog ran over. The hawk only got about half of her. But that's okay. The master came and removed her. Took her to a a good place. The big chicken coop beyond the sky. I had a terrible dream last night. I dreamed I was in this barn. The air was dirty. My feet were burning because of the manure. And when I went to peck at a cricket, I didn't have a beak. And there wasn't even a cricket. It was Cindy. I woke up squawking. It was terrible. But the others comforted me and reassured by the green grass under my feet even as I awoke and I realized it was just a nightmare. Do chickens really live like that? I don't want to think about it. I'll check in again, diary. This is Henrietta. Every morning, my body craves real food. And every morning, I satisfy that craving with pasture-raised eggs. As the skillet warms, I start cracking the eggs open. The yolk is a deep yellow and oftentimes orange color. It's firm and never bleeds out unless stabbed repeatedly. In goes some of our pasture-raised ground pork to another skillet along with some garlic. I'll use the pork fat to saute onions and green and red peppers. And if I'm feeling really rowdy, I'll shred some sweet potatoes. Once they've all been cooked, I throw everything together. A riot of different colors looks back up at me from the skillet. Green, red, deep yellow, orange, brown, and translucent white. Your morning could look like this too, or at least half of it. No more backwash milk, no more empty cereal calories, just real food. I hope by now it's clear why it's so important to eat pasture-raised eggs. The only problem is that you won't be finding these at Walmart. You might find them at higher-end or artisanal grocery stores that actively stock local produce, but not at national chains. If we're playing volleyball, this is when I return your serve. You've asked me, how do we find healthy eggs? This is my favorite part, because this is where I get to tell you, now get to know a farmer. There are farmers out there, in communities near you, who can supply you with high-quality pasture-raised eggs. An easy way to meet a farmer would be to make a quick browse of the internet. 
be wary of what is, or more importantly, what isn't posted online. More on this in the next episode. And request to have a farm tour. This is normal and is not a burden to us as long as you, the consumer, are willing to be flexible with your time. A good rule of thumb I've heard is that if you buy eggs from a farmer at a market or online at least three times, ask to see their farm. If they still don't invite you over, go somewhere else. We love showing off our farm because working it brings us so much joy. As the customer, you enable us to do this. We could not do what we do without your support. Here are three questions you could ask any farmer to ensure you are getting nutrient-dense pasture-raised eggs. Question one, how much time do they spend on pasture? Is the chicken coop stationary or mobile? If they wobble, assume they live in fixed housing and very few ever make it outdoors. Question number two, are they fed extra feed? If they are, is it non-GMO? This is a huge sticking point. If they wobble and say something like, I don't know, or it's probably non-GMO, go somewhere else. Only do business with somebody who has taken control of their own supply chain. And question number three, how many hours a day do they get to sleep? If a farmer raises them on pasture, he or she is pretty familiar with the amount of daylight hours at any given time throughout the year. If they are raised conventionally, they are probably artificially stimulated up to 24 hours a day. The hardest part about this whole spiel is probably the last part because it requires some legwork. People assume that they don't have time to get to know a farmer. But the truth of the matter is that food is so precious, we can't afford to ignore our farmers. If we outsource that accountability to corporate wheelers and dealers, we get stuck in exactly the problem we have today. Misinformation that leads to the sickening of America. You and the members of your family all have one life. And those lives are too precious to trust strangers for bulletproof advice on what is healthy and not healthy to eat. Do your gut and every all-natural chicken in the world a favor. Buy some pasture-raised eggs from an ethical farmer near you. Thanks so much. I hope I see you next time. Hey, Lunatics. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode or want to sponsor a future one, follow me on Twitter at Missouri Austin or shoot me an email to austin at letthemeatgrass.org. I might even include your question, along with my answer, at the end of my next episode. If you live in the Missouri area and want to take the next step in radically protecting the health of you and your family, you can buy some of our pasture-raised food at my friend David's website, fedfromthefarm.com. That's F-E-D, fedfromthefarm.com. And use the offer code PDCST, like podcast without the vowels, for $10 off your next order. I am shamelessly promoting this, but since I manage this farm and personally take care of the animals, this is the only operation I can wholeheartedly endorse. We have buying clubs in Kansas City, Columbia, Jeff City, Washington, St. Charles, Chesterfield, and St. Louis that we drive to either once a week or once every two weeks. Don't be strangers. I want to hear from you. If you order food from fedfromthefarm.com, put a note in the comments section that you heard about us through this podcast. I'm attempting something revolutionary here. Due to my city delivery schedule, I would consistently get to meet my subscribers. I would love to swap stories, share laughs, and hear the story of what convinced you to become a lunatic. If I see you a few times, I'll probably even invite you to our farm. We do those tours free of charge. 
If you really enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or download it on whatever podcast directory you use. If you're using iTunes and are feeling mighty generous with the next five minutes of your life, please rate it and leave a review. The more reviews I get, the better my chances of being featured in the spotlight. And as self-serving as that sounds, the more attention this podcast gets means that I get to improve the production quality for you. Right now, I've managed to keep my entire budget for starting under 100 bucks. The music, cover art, and sound design have all been done by friends or relatives out of the goodness of their hearts. With your subscriptions and reviews, I can turn this podcast from a bi-weekly to a weekly podcast if I can start generating an income stream. But I'll need sponsors for that. Production assistance was provided by the kissable Kelly Williams. That's my wife. Music was performed by the bodacious Brandon Nelson. If you like Scandinavian folk music, you can find his album Old Yarns by Eloin. That's E-L-O-I-G-N at Bandcamp. Cover art was drawn by the radical Rebecca Rabin. Fact-checking was done by the daring David Boatwright. And sound engineering was done by the jubilant Jeffrey Hook. If you want any of these marvelous people to help you with your projects, just let me know. That's all I have for now. Until next time, how's Saudi? <laughs>